0: Welcome to the Retire Notes podcast series about preparing for retirement. I'm Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and founder of RetireNotes.com website. Today I'm in conversation with Owen Weeks. Based in Melbourne, he's the Director of Lifestyle Matters and a registered tax agent. He's also a Fellow of the Financial Planning Association, a Fellow of the Institution of Professional Accountants and an Honorary Fellow of Superannuation Funds in Australia. On top of that, he's actually a pretty good fellow. <laughs> He's also the co-author of two books, Retire Busy and Where to Retire in Australia. Thank you for being available. Thank you. Mental calculation that I made tells me you've been in the industry since about 1975, which is almost 45 years ago. And you're going to talk about how retirement has changed in Australia since then. First question is, what was it about the retirement industry that caught your attention? I was the uh, systems accountant at the Gas and Fuel Corporation. My first job uh, actually in the public service was as a computer programmer and I found that rather boring. So I went to the Gas and Fuel as a systems analyst and then I became the systems accountant, which is a halfway house between computing and accountancy. And I got to know the chap who ran the superannuation fund. Mm-hmm. I used to borrow his tax books, and we had long discussions about tax avoidance and other matters. He um sparked my interest in superannuation. <clears throat> so I joined the Association of Superannuation Funds, and he became a mentor to me. Um He's still around. He's a larger-than-life character. He spent some time in the Army, <clears throat> but he was... Well, known in superannuation circles. Um, he recently wrote a book called Superannuation Can Be Murder. Okay. <laughs> that's a book you need to read. <laughs> is, it, um, is it a mystery or.? I <laughs> know. Oh he nearly got murdered himself. That's oh, really? a really, really interesting story. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> so I left the gas and fuel in about 1975, 76. <clears throat> and. This chap, his name is Percy Cooper, started sending me people who were retiring at the gas and fuel. Mm -hmm. I then realised they were all asking me the same questions. And primarily they focused on tax, how the tax system worked, and then social security, how the social security system worked. There were no books on those subjects, so I wrote them. Okay. And I've seen some of those books. There's a stack of them. Yes. (laughs) I wrote the first book in Australia on how to get or, and keep the age or service pension. Okay. I wrote a book okay. called The Tax Angles of Retirement. <laughs> so, so it and sounds like there was really nothing there. There wasn't. See, we didn't even have the Freedom of Information Act until the Whitlam government came along. That's where I got a lot of my stuff about social security because nobody knew how they treated family trusts, how they treated family businesses, inheritances, mm-hmm. life insurance, and all that stuff. Um, so I found I was in a... A new ball game. Nobody else was doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There weren't even financial planners in the country. I was an accountant. Um, The Corporations Act in about 1990 introduced the concept of an investment advisor. Yes. I went along and registered for that. In those days, the Reserve Bank had a product called... um, Australian savings bonds, and they paid ten percent for one, two, or three years. I wish they had them today. All right. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So, so back when you started, um, I mean, you, you, you kind of pioneered the the industry. I guess yes. that's oh, what you're yeah. saying. Yep. There so. were very, very few people who um, took an interest in it. There was a, an association that gas and fuel was partly associated with, in conjunction with the SEC, and that was called the Early Planning for Retirement Association. Mm -hmm. So I and a few people got heavily involved in that, and it all kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess you have seen it graduate from virtually nothing. Into something that's very well structured now. Oh yeah. So, so what, what were the stepping stones? What what did you find as you've come along? Well, the first the first thing that I made a note of here was in those days, <clears throat> a lot of people had war service and therefore they qualified for a service pension. Hmm. Service pensions are paid by the Department of Veteran Affairs. They're effectively an age pension paid five years early. Yes, so we, male, we're talking Vietnam? Oh no, Second World War. Oh, from sec- oh, oh, getting to retirement yes, age. Yes, yeah, they were getting yes. to retirement age, yeah. Uh, and there were lots of them. So gas and fuel had a lot of them. <laughs> yes. So I started uh, get developing effectively some expertise in that area, yes. which led me then to tax and then led me to investment. That's how I wrote the book, Live Well or Die Rich. Yes, yes. <laughs> Good title. <laughs> Yeah. Well, do you know how I got that title? There was a well-known tax avoidance guy by the name of Klein who was based in Sydney, and he wrote a book called Living and Having More and Dying and Paying Less. And I thought, okay. no, you can shorten that. Yes. <laughs> which you did. Which yeah. you did. Mm. Yeah. So back then, of course, people weren't living as long. No. It's true. W- was was that helpful, actually? <laughs> Well, yeah, in a perverse sort of a way it was, because people expected to live five, maybe ten years, and that was it, after they retired. Hmm. And it was particularly true in the public service. Really? Why there? Yeah. Um, well, I have a theory about this, and I, I've read lots of stuff about it, and that is that if you take away the status of a person when they get to a certain age, they go downhill. Mm-hmm. Now, there are certain groups of people who live longer than anybody else and they are church ministers, university professors and medical doctors. <clears throat> and they live longer than anybody else because they never lose their status. Okay. And, and that's important for longevity? Yes, longevity. Yep. 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 Well, people who are, who are a level eight in the public service or the senior uh, wheel fit Ford Motor Company, they lose that status as soon as they leave the job. And there's some weird connection between status, feeling important, and living longer. Okay, it's about how you feel about yourself. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Okay. So talk about super a bit because, I mean, well, superannuation in those days was the industry was only measured in total in Australia in terms of hundreds of millions of dollars. It's now $2.8 trillion. But superannuation was very, very archaic in the sense that it was basically regulated by Section 23F of the Australian Income Tax Assessment Act. So the tax office controlled superannuation. <clears throat> right. But super funds themselves paid no tax. Uh, okay, and yes. No tax on income, no cap- tax on capital gains. Um, that all changed in 1988. We'll get back to that. <laughs> but okay. more importantly, mm. people who took a lump sum out of their super fund... Were only assessed on five percent of it. That's not five percent tax. It's five percent went on to your tax return, and even if you were taxed at fifty percent, you only paid two and a half percent. So now, now I'm I'm not a financial person, but that sounds like a good way to go. A very good way to go. That's that's what I'm hearing. Yes. yes. Oh yes. Yes. So the te- the uh, government came along, Paul Keating in particular, and turned superannuation into a cash cow. Mm-hmm. He taxed. Money going in on the way in—that's called a contributions tax. He taxed it in the middle; that's the earnings on the fund, and he taxed it when you receive it. Okay, so that doesn't sound good, does it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Compared to the other, yes, the other one—it it was a huge change. Mm. See, when I in the in eighties, the there were there were three key things that happened: nineteen eighty-three. The government introduced what is known as a rollover fund. So superannuation could be transferred from one fund to another. Or if you had multiple funds, you could put them all into one. That's called a rollover fund. That that, that wasn't happening before. No, you couldn't do it. Okay. Um, The second thing that happened, which was 1984, was the Hawke government introduced uh, the assets test on pensioners. Mm -hmm. Up until then... You could rearrange your affairs to get your income down below the threshold, qualify for either a full or a part pension. Pension, yes. But you could be a millionaire, okay, <laughs> and do that. Yes. So they introduced the assets test. <clears throat> now that that actually makes sense, doesn't it? Oh yes, that does. Yes. 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 Then in na- nineteen eighty-five, again, it was the Hawke government or Paul Keating in particular. They introduced capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. Up until then capital gains tax in Australia, which was the most disputed part of the Tax Act, depended on the intention of the person when they bought something. All right. You better explain that a bit. Well, uh, let's pick on uh, people who ran a market gardening outfit in Glen Waverley. Yes. They were selling those for millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yes. And the tax office said, well, you must have had an intention to make a profit. And they said, no, we had an intention to run a business. Okay. Um and that's quite true. Yes. But there were cases where people bought blocks of land, big blocks of land, and developed them as a property developer. Sure. Tax officers would have a go at that. They yes. won some and they lost some. Yes. So they totally changed the law and said, Right from now I don't have any of these disputes. You buy something after the nineteenth of September nineteen eighty five, you will be taxed on it when you sell it. <laughs> okay. So okay. that's how that worked. Yeah. Yeah. But just stepping back a little bit back to superannuation. sure. In those early days it was all about lump sums. Mm-hmm. People got to the end of their working life and they were paid out a lump sum and then they had to invest it. Annuities, which are a form of income stream, yes uh, were very, very poorly supported. But looking back on them, they were an excellent investment. All right. I mean, right. one of the questions that is worth discussing at some stage is, would it have been better to retire then or would it have been better to retire now? Good question. Simple answer. <laughs> then. Okay. <laughs> back in the late eighties, the early nineties. Yes. You could have bought an annuity and many of my clients did it would locked in an earning rate of 13% for the rest of your life for life yes and the income went up by 5% a year every year yes. can you can you give a brief description of an annuity yeah annuity is a lump sum converted into a series of regular income payments mm-hmm. so it's a lump sum converted into what we call an income stream mm-hmm. and it didn't have to be in superannuation it could be other money you could have sold a block of flats mm-hmm. and gone off to the AMP and bought a non superannuation annuity Again, converting the lump sum into a period, a number of uh, annuity payments. So they were good days. Low low tax, (laughs) good income locked in for life, say 13%. You can't do that today. No. And we'll never see those days again, I'm assuming. Well, Well, I... I'm stretching my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> of that. Yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah. let's talk about women. Yeah, women were very poorly represented. This um, is going back what what era? From uh, when to when? 70s, 80s. Okay. Um, I'll give you an example. BP Australia. Yes. I used to have a fair bit to do with the BP Superfund. They had a rule that if a lady joined BP, she would be offered a dowry fund because the people who left – Left to have children. So they said, okay. why don't we just give them a couple of hundred thousand sorry, a couple of hundred dollars, a couple of thousand dollars, and a hundred thousand <laughs> yes. just a, a gratuity payment to yes. say goodbye. But they were not invited to join the super fund until 1988. It's amazing, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. Crazy. So, um, but that's, so, so that just, was not uncommon. Yes. So compulsory super came in when? Oh, 1988. Okay. About the same. Yeah, about the same time. Yeah. There's a whole lot of things changed when Keating got together with Bill Kelty, yes, and put their heads Bill together. Bill Kelty was uh, the, he the, union, was the head of the ACTU, union boss. Yes, union boss. Now, up until then, a lot of people don't realise this. The ACTU in many of its arms were opposed to superannuation. They saw it as a thing that the rich people had, the wealthy, the executives, and other people. So they went around white-anting agreements to try and bring in superannuation until they worked out if they got their sticky fingers on it, mm-hmm. could be a good idea. Okay, it, declined, okay. it probably for them help stop or reduce the decline in union membership. Yes, because it's falling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> talk, talk about the regulations. It sounds like there's a lot more now than oh, back then. Absolutely. Um, Look, the, the big, big thing is, uh, first of all, as I said, superannuation is taxed at three points. Yes, it's yes. It's taxed as your money goes in. It's taxed in the middle on it, what it earns and then it's taxed as it comes out. Now, we won't go into the detail of how that works because we'd we'll be here for another hour. <laughs> but that's broadly how the system works. Yes. Um, as I said before, you couldn't roll over between funds. So there was no such thing as a rollover fund. That's all changed. Yes. Um, which is good because you could now merge funds and all the rest of it. Regulations have changed in the sense that now we have two big bodies. One's called the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority and they mm-hmm. regulate uh, life insurance companies, big superannuation funds and friendly societies. And then we have ASIC, the Australian Securities and Industry. Commission and Investment Commission, they regulate all the other things including small superannuation funds, they regulate financial planners, they regulate banks, they regulate all sorts of people mm-hmm. for various things and they're the people who the Hain Inquiry might have something to say about yes. <laughs> later on. Yeah. Um, they, are, they have become huge public service organisations they employ hundreds and hundreds of people and a lot of them are lawyers yes and they're like the corporate watchdog yeah, yeah. The, the, the whole superannuation that's it's become a well it's become a business in its own right hasn't it well it's now the if you put superannuation together with the rest of the financial services industry it is now the biggest single industry in Australia Really? Bigger than agriculture, bigger than mining, bigger than education, and bigger than tourism. This is why the government wants some sticky oh, yeah. fingers. You yes. mentioned sticky fingers oh, yeah. before. Yes, but that's yeah. also why the general public yes. wants people held to account. Yes. Okay. Because, you know, some of the things have gone on have just not been above board. Yes. And the culture of certain organisations and banks in particular there's a lot to be desired. Now, that's not just an Australian problem, I must point out. That's worldwide. All right. Banks Mm -hmm. in the UK, banks in the US, banks in Europe, they're all greedy in different ways. Okay. As as you look back, um, yes, we're much more structured. uh, There's more controls. Is it actually a better system now than back then? The... The system is, yes, I think the system is better, but the economics is not. And, and by that I mean economics meaning interest rates are higher. Yes. Invest companies, the big companies like BHP and banks and all the others were doing very, very well. Yes. The composition of the stock market is different because the biggest companies on the stock market in the older days were people like Elders, mm-hmm. people like uh, MIM Miners, Mount Isa Mines. Sure. Um Rio Tinto, BHP—they were right at the top. Mm-hmm. Then you had Alan Bond and all those other rogues. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> down the bottom were, <laughs> yes, some of the companies we now regard as good. And in fact, some of the best companies that ever floated on the stock exchange. And I'm thinking here of CSL mm-hmm. and the Commonwealth Bank. Mm-hmm. Basically. Didn't float until the eighties, the late eighties or mid eighties, possibly. They became very, very successful. CSL is now regarded as the best company in Australia, bar none. <coughs> oh, really? Mm. Yes, yes. And the reason for their success? Um, the probably their ethics and their culture, um, okay. and the way they've been managed. But they plough an enormous amount of money back into research. Yes, and that gives them a pipeline of new products that is almost endless they yes. employ some of the brightest scientists in the world yes. <laughs> not yes. only just in australia but in china and europe and in america yes yes i i guess today we're looking at um retirement as big business aren't we yes um and i guess that has its safety measures but as we've seen because of the report that's coming out soon that uh, there are some scoundrels in the business. Yes, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's scoundrels in just about every business. <laughs> I think <laughs> but you're big, right. The bigger the business, the more attention they probably get. But if money's involved, you know, people's ethics and morals get twisted. Yeah, and that's where it gets difficult. Um, it's a that's a whole subject ethics. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But you, you're sounding upbeat about the big picture of the of the. Um Retirement industry, the financial retirement industry. Well, yes, I am. But when we talk about the future of retirement, I suppose the thing that worries me the most is the huge concentration of money in fewer and fewer people's hands. Okay. So these big, big funds. And there are four or five huge industry funds and there's other huge funds around. Um, They are so big, they have almost got to the point where the economics of Generating a good return has come off the top of the curve and is going down again because they are so big they can't place money effectively because okay. it's flowing in too quickly. Okay. Now, another way of describing that is to say imagine trying to turn a super tanker around in Port Phillip Bay mm-hmm. compared to what a little sp- speedboat can do. Yes. <laughs> it takes a long, long time to s- turn a big enterprise around. <laughs> And that applies to big business. Okay. All right. Well, we'll talk about more of that in the next episode. Yeah. But uh, thank you for your uh, input today. And I do like the fact that our next conversation is going to be about the future of retirement. Yes. We'll yeah. get to that. Yep. Yeah. And remember, you can always go to the retirenotes.com website for more information about preparing for retirement.